Okay, welcome back everyone. My name's John. And I'm Wes. And we're just going to jump right back into part two of our conversation with uh, Gavin. That's right. And so just as a refresher, Gavin is uh, a longtime friend of ours and also someone who has done a whole bunch of work in the industry in relation to music, whether it's as a producer, as a someone who's creating music and also engineering music and all the above. So uh, happy to just jump right back into this conversation and uh, delve into it a little bit more from the perspective of an audio guy. Going back to the live venue thing, man, like I, if I could take time off work to just spend time bitching about <laughs> live venues mm-hmm. in Toronto and fixing it, I would. It's like, I've seen bands that you know they've been touring the world. They come to Toronto and they play a room that sounds like ass and they can't figure out why the part that they know in every one of their shows is going to make the band go crazy isn't making is going to make the crowd go crazy mm-hmm, right. isn't making the crowd go crazy mm-hmm. and i've seen i remember seeing little dragon at the danforth music hall and they were playing like the chorus to one of their biggest songs that everybody loves and the crowd i mean toronto crowds you can talk about the problems <laughs> with that but like the crowd wasn't excited about what was happening sonically mm-hmm. and it's a it's a subconscious thing that happens where when you're in a room that rocks you're like Oh my God, this is my favorite part of the song. But when it kind of is in a room where the sound is just bouncing all around mm-hmm. the walls and it's not really focused, then the crowd doesn't react like that. And I remember looking at these performers who are some of my favorite performers mm-hmm. and they're looking at each other like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. Because their monitor mix probably sounds awesome. Right. So they can't figure out why the crowd sucks. Yeah. And it's because these venues don't give a shit about how it sounds and just don't do simple things to make it better. And I, I let people slide on the fact that we most of us don't understand why a mix is bad or why something right. is not sounding right. But you can feel it. Mm-hmm. And when it feels good, you know it. And you don't know why, but it's like something right. is happening to you. Right. right. Intangible feel. I love that. I love It's an amazing yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And that also makes sense, too, because I, I feel like to the point of, of you sort of highlighting that there are a lot of folks that maybe, <clears throat> excuse me, they like hugely underappreciate the role of an audio engineer and just that vantage point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of funny because it's like if it sounded like garbage, someone would go, oh, this is this sounds like garbage. But when yeah. it sounds good, people don't like, think about yeah, it. Yeah, that's at what all. I expected. Yeah. Yeah. And so and it's just like even that process and it's kind of like from the perspective of the person doing the engineering, it's mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, uh so I spent a good amount of time to get it there. That's why you're able it's to just so thing digest to it with. Like, yeah. you know, and this really goes for TV and film stuff, like Right. My job in that world especially is to not be noticed. Like right. if yeah. you if you're like, "Whoa, mm-hmm. that guy's voice sounds weird" or mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. "Why didn't that cat meow when its mouth opened or I don't know whatever you will notice and it will irk you and throw you out of the you know the mental space of being in the film but when it's working correctly you do not think about it at all right and that that is like a badge of honor when you do it right but it's also so frustrating right people are like you're like how did it sound and they're like yeah it's good yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. normal 
And you're like, wasn't it so sick how that sound lined up with yeah. the cat? And they're like, what, whatever, man. What? Oh, didn't the cat do that? In the... Yeah. <laughs> no, it yawned and we added a meow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, hilarious. Um, like, yeah. But, you know, there are days where it bothers me. I mean, cat meows and stuff, whatever. But, like, there are days where details like that not being picked up on bother me. But most of the time, I, I appreciate that it's like, you know, it's it's just not what people think about. I'm like, yeah. that is my main focus in life mm-hmm. is sound. Right. Know? So, of course, I'm going to think about all that stuff. But um, I'm equally probably not paying much attention to the lighting in a movie. Mm-hmm. True. That's fair. Yeah, that's a, a fair point. I, I appreciate it when it's good. And I love cinematography and stuff. But, like, I don't understand why a, a scene is or how a scene is lit. Right. make me feel a certain way. Yeah, that's true. And so I'm sure there's cinematographers out there that are like, God damn it. Nobody wrote about the gels I used yeah. on those lights <laughs> or whatever. You no, know, it's true. It's true. And that's kind of true, I guess, of just um, every every line of work, every industry, whatever, has its like nuanced aspects that only someone who speaks that language can truly or fully, fully understand, yeah. you know, and or is even aware of it. Like, I always kind of think about it like, you know, if you go into a dentist's office and they're like, didn't you notice my bicuspids, bro? Like, you see what I've been doing? You see how much yeah. flossing I've been doing? You see how good that yeah. is? And you're like, I don't know, they're teeth, right? Yeah. I'm, horrible example, but something like that, no, but you know, it, where it's I just mean, like... It's, it's a valid it's, example. It's yeah. like people who are experts in their fields are going to notice the subtle details. Yeah. But um, but it falls short but, for... But there are, there are there's a line crossing for me. If we're going to... Let's walk down the dentist analogy. Like... If you do not brush your teeth and you're like, ah, my teeth are fine. Right. Then like you're disgusting and I hate you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> not really. No, but like, I mean, if you're, if you're a person that like walks through life, like dental hygiene doesn't matter. Um, most people will be like, yeah, but it does though. But right. if you're a person who walks through life, like who cares if the audio sounds like shit and it's distorted. People will be like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like, there's no like there's, sort of there's no equivalent for audio, like yeah. And then there's all these things in the audio exp- uh, sort of post production experience that are like they just make you feel other uh, or what's the what's the term like sort of um, you you just last in the in the line of thought, you know, yeah. always. So it's like the the remaining budget goes to you, the remaining time oh, goes right, to you, the, right. The, you know all that stuff so it, it it can be if you dwell on it it can be very frustrating um, right. i think the best thing is just to work with people that you know do respect the work and, right and then try and just focus on those relationships as much as possible yeah that makes sense um, for sure yeah well even like with music it you know it's it's a very different than other art forms because there's no visual piece to it right yeah. like mm. it's it's just an auditory thing and you mentioned like the feel earlier but it's like an intangible feel right yeah. it's not like something that you're touching and like i can feel like you know so that's like and as you're mixing an album or or producing an album or even just your own stuff like you know there's a vulnerability to just that one sense that that that's all there is yeah right um, right so there, there's such a such an emphasis on how 
it's mixed or how it sounds or or and then like you said even earlier gavin how it feels like how that sound feels yeah. right yeah right right whereas like say for example with the idea the example that you're saying with like a film mm-hmm. it's like yeah when you're watching a film there's the dialogue you're hearing it you're yeah. seeing it right? yeah like there's yeah. there's multiple uh senses at play but with with music it's very it's, uh, vulnerable in that yeah part. yeah and it's and just, there's a thing you know which is just undeniable that we are human beings are like visually oriented creatures you right know? like even blind people i've like heard and read that like a lot of blind people really visualize a lot of things even if they were born without sight they've you know, it's hard to describe what that would look like, but their their visual cortex is still doing mm. things. Because, right. Like that's how powerful that part of our brain is. Right. To us. Right. Um, so it's like when you are able to listen to music with no visual distraction, <clears throat> or like where there's no visual tied to it, it can be amazing because it'll actually bring you out of the world or change the visuals you're seeing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember like one thing that really got me. Uh, excited a lot when I was a kid was like when I would listen to a piece of music when I first got like a Walkman that I could listen to headphones mm. and walk around the world in um, or or with uh, having music make it feel like I was in a movie mm. right like, you know there was this one there's this one memory I have that like is just so uh, important to me for some reason where I was going to Ireland for my grandfather's funeral. Um, and it was 1994, I think, or 96. I can't remember the year now. And I'm on the plane. It's raining outside. We're like, I think, just sort of taxiing to take off. And on the headphones, because like back then, your your little armrest had like, a number of stations mm-hmm. on it. Right, so right, yeah, yeah. There was no TVs in yeah. every seat and whatever. Yeah. You just, uh, yeah, being that And they were guy. generic stations. It was like a rock station yeah, or country. Like, yeah. or you could or like, flip yeah. through, yeah. you know, whatever it yeah. was, six. Yeah. And it's literally a tape loop yeah. probably somewhere in the plane that's just playing all these songs. <laughs> yeah. So I was listening to whatever the station was and uh, Sinead O'Connor, Nothing Compares to You, one mm. of the best songs Prince ever wrote. It was on. And I'm listening to this song and it, there's something too about the tapey there's like mm. a worn out mm. tape that it's on mm. so it has this fuzzy sort of sound to it and it's raining outside and i'm thinking about my grandfather and i'm like looking out the window and and i just remember being like i'm in a movie like mm. i feel right. like i'm mm. in a movie right because this is the soundtrack to this scene of my life right now right and it was a crazy thing because otherwise i would just be a guy sitting on a plane waiting to take off like mm-hmm. right so music can affect your visual mm-hmm. experience big too, time, which big is time. really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if that was even adding to what you were saying. No, that, that's that's that. Like honestly, um, I love that uh, that sort of story and and just how music plays into like so many other parts of our lives, right? Like mm. I, I I definitely um, can empathize with that. I remember I was in. Uh, uh, France once, uh, the beach of Dieppe. So World oh, War, uh, yeah, all these Canadians kind of went to this beach as, just before D-Day, just as an attempt to like try it out. And it was just a massacre more or less. Yeah. The Tragically Hip wrote a song about it called Nautical Disaster, which is like, Oh, right. I didn't one know that the, was about that. Yeah. One yeah. of their like best songs. And so I, I had my cassette player with me when I was there and I was like, like unbeknownst, right? I knew that song was on this album, but then it oh, just came it just on came next. On. Oh, wow. And That's I was crazy. on the beach and I'm like, holy smokes. And it was just this very like surreal moment of, of just... 
yeah, like I'm in Meaningful. a movie. Yeah, it, it really puts yeah. meaning to the music. Yeah, and... but it's just like like you know we were saying earlier that intangible feel of just like holy smokes, like this auditory thing is just like all my you know um, mm-hmm. senses are just like tingling. Because yeah, I, yeah, totally. And this is hitting it. Well, I do want to flip back to one thing you said earlier though, Gavin. Like, um, just from a, a technical perspective, mm-hmm. you know, you mentioned Motown and just the the sort of simplicity of of how to record something right and as as time goes by and and technology becomes more and more advanced and accessible for people like how how do you think from your perspective in in music production and everything like technology has like played a role in either accessibility or is it been good has it been bad from your perspective is it like hindered the creative process has it made it a bit easier like both mm. yeah um good and good and bad like um I'm lucky to be alive in a time where everybody can have a home studio. You know, it was not, I mean, even when I started making, as I was describing, when I started making music, making music on a computer was not available to the average person. It was like you could get, I think at that time, uh, Pro Tools was just beginning to be Pro Tools. It was called like, um so i can't remember the name of it but it like it had a few iterations but it was a professional software which cost thousands mm-hmm. and thousands of dollars like uh i didn't have access to that and so um to learn and and to figure that out was really difficult but because i was coming up in that time i was learning um to basically make myself a home studio and that wouldn't have been possible previously. Mm-hmm. And as I've aged and, you know, we get to where we are now, we're like, we can record a podcast in a in this space mm-hmm. where you just set up a laptop and bing, bang, boom, plug in some mm-hmm. mics. Like, you know, that's amazing. We, we don't mm-hmm. really think about mm-hmm. how cool it is, but it's really cool. So there's the benefits to me are like the the fact that if I want to record something right now, Anywhere I am, I can do it. My phone can do it. Yeah. And um, have like decent quality to yeah. it too. Yeah. Or right? you can get a little thing that plugs into yeah. your phone if you yeah. really want. So, you know. Right. Um, so it's the, just very accessible. That, mm-hmm. that makes yeah. all that stuff just so accessible. But the negative aspects of it are that I think you lose a few things. You lose intentionality. Mm-hmm. Like there was something, right. there was something to like, you know, and even now I, I have a studio where I go and I work because that is like, it puts me in the mo- the mode of work. Mm-hmm. Also, I need a certain acoustic environment and whatever to do what I do. But like, uh, there's like an intentionality that's lost when you can just do it anytime, anywhere on your phone. And yeah, like, so everything's a bit throwaway. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, again, I'm not, shitting on people who make you know like there are great records that are actually you know made on phones and mm-hmm. stuff like mm-hmm. it's yeah not, it's yeah not, it's not impossible to do but there's probably like a kajillion records that are made on phones that are people garbage. aren't listening to yeah yeah and the other thing that i think the you know ubiquity of technology has hurt is like the unlimited options like mm-hmm. i think before we started mm-hmm. recording i was talking to you about how like i believe that um, art is about limitations you know it's like um, whether they're self-imposed or otherwise just having like a set you know number of things that you can work with to create what you want to create 
is great because it 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 limits how far you can roam mm. it's a challenge to get to the mm-hmm. end result and like there's a greater sense of accomplishment for me when i'm like okay i only use these three devices or something to make like a full track one time i like challenged myself i have this synthesizer that is like what's called a mono synth which means it can basically play one note at a time and I challenged myself to make an entire track with just that the sounds that this thing could make because I really wanted to learn the mm-hmm. ins and outs of it. And I did like everything. The drums I made, you know, I, I sampled individual notes and then replayed them in, as chords. I, you know, cool. used the filters to filter sections, of, you know. And it was like such a cool piece of music because I was just so um, on this mission to make it happen. Whereas when I'm like, I don't know what to do, uh, I've got to write a song and I have a deadline mm. and I have every plugin known to man, every preset, mm-hmm. all right. the samples. Mm-hmm. And like, I just don't know where to start sometimes. So you have to then take the effort of stripping everything away. Whereas like a guy who just lives in a bayou and plays a guitar has his guitar and maybe a broken bottle that he can turn into a slide to make blues music, you know, like, mm. and then what do you get? You get, fucking blues music yeah right and it's Mm -hmm. like um that that person who is who's able to in the case of blues music be a black man in america living in an oppressive state who's able to take only what he has and channel all his pain through that one thing is going to make something way more meaningful than you know a a kid maybe with an equal amount of misery with a computer with all the shit on it because Mm -hmm. Um, he's just got too many options. Right. It's, it, ma- it's maybe not a perfect argument because I think people with lots right. of options can make great things, but right. the technology can really work against you if you're not careful. Right. So like with the Mo- the Motown thing to me is a, is a great analogy because it's like, first of all, we've gone through all these iterations of digital technology, recording technology, and where are we now? The best companies out there are emulating mm. analog gear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, or they're making analog synths or they're right. It's like everything is returning to this thing that, you know, um, happens when you just have simple technology at your, I mean, and I say simple technology, but the truth is like the engineering that went into those early recording consoles mm-hmm. is unbelievable. Like right. The people that made those early tube preamps and things were like genius recording engineers that knew that to get the most beautiful harmonics, you had to combine these components. And, mm. you know, like the the bad uh, preamps didn't make it because they, yeah. they could hear the results right away. So, but the, the, the important thing was that it was about capturing, you know, um, some kind of beauty and, and simplicity in, in the process. And um, it's just funny to me that after so much time, with so many technological iterations, it's like a lot of the time, not, there's great really digital stuff out there that's like really futuristic sounds and whatever, but a lot of the time what people are trying to do is get back to that Motown essence, which is, right, you know, just basically the sound of electricity and, mm. um, and sound then, waves. Yeah, and then, and then like the emotion of the singers or, yeah. and musicians. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that... Um, 
I, maybe perhaps another way of saying this and something that I, I truly believe kind of just in general is like, I mean, one phrase that comes to mind is obviously less is more, but more so I feel what would be more accurate and I would hope sort of encapsulates what you're saying too is like, you know, there's, there's anything that's like over designed is never good. Like it's never great to be like, oh yeah, let's have like one plugin that does like a million different things. It's just like, no, 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 no. Like you don't need to do that just simply by virtue of using that plugin or something like that's enough. Like, you know, um, things that are over designed and especially I think that that, that holds true even with like, you know, anything like a, a product that's being manufactured or like song creation, um, you know, again, working with things in the studio or anything like that. It's just like when things are kind of over designed, you're never better off. But when, when you just are able to, whether it's working within limitations, intentionality, whatever else, it's just like, if you're kind of just straight into the point and just like do what needs to be done and sort of not much else. Yeah. that's usually that's usually where I would agree like where you sort of find success in whatever is that, you, that you're working on you know yeah and I think that applies to like all creative disciplines mm-hmm. it's like when so I'll take what I know which is music and um, you know you guys both make music as well you can agree that like pro- I would bet right now that the best music your favorite music that you've ever made you probably came up with very quickly and right in relative terms, like, because you had an idea and you captured the idea yeah. and you got, you got quickly down to the point, but those times where you've had a really good idea and then you're like, uh, something's not working or, you know, um, my string broke or my computer's acting up. It could be that, or you could go, Oh man, this is a really good idea. But before I do that, I need to dial in a delay sound or some, mm. something like that, that distracts you from the original yeah. spark. And then you go down this path of like tweaking and, you know, twisting up sounds. And then before you know it, you've forgotten that thing and you're chasing this faded memory of what it was from five right. minutes ago. Right, right. And um, and it wasn't worth it. to. And it wasn't worth it. And yeah. I think like the best thing you can always do when you're trying to create something is just to go with your instinct and don't say no to anything and don't say yes to anything else you know just say yes to the thing that you had the instinct for and go forward on that idea right and like that can mean a lot too for collaboration and stuff like you know i've I've collaborated with people before where i just keep finding some fault in something they're doing or in something i'm doing or rather than just going okay cool let's get it down let's get it down and you can re- record as many things as you want and mute them later you know right and the same thing goes for writing or um designing a a piece of furniture it's like you can come up with as many iterations as you want and whittle them down to the best one but if you don't if you spend all your tr- time trying to make the one iteration the best thing it can be um you may you may be missing the point you know yeah 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 it's like not being able to see the forest for the trees kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah well anyway man listen uh it's been so awesome to talk to you thank you so much and um you know we really appreciate this uh having you on the podcast yeah well thanks for having me on your podcast yeah thanks again gavin and um thanks for everybody who's listening um we really appreciate the uh the support and uh if you have any questions for for gavin or for us or anything uh feel free to reach out on any of our uh, social media channels um as always i'm wes and i'm john and thanks again for listening to music with matt have a great day we'll cut that out <laughs> <laughs>